You're listening to Dental Talk from VivaLearning.com. Dr. Sam Simos is a general dentist and is nationally recognized as an expert in cosmetic and restorative dentistry. He will be talking about the indirect adhesion decision tree. It's our pleasure, Dr. Simos, to have you as a guest today on this Viva Learning podcast. Good morning. Good morning, Phil. It's great to be here, and I uh, appreciate the opportunity to speak with you today and all your listeners. Yeah, excellent. We're looking forward to it. So let's start right in. Um, my first question is, what do you find to be the biggest pain points for clinicians when it comes to choosing an adhesive for either direct or indirect restorative procedures? Well, great question. First of all, you know, there are so many really good adhesives on the market today. And whether you're talking about a total etch two bottle system or a total etch one bottle system, the fourth and fifth generation, or you're discussing a self etch two bottle system or self etch one bottle system, it's confusing, but they all work, right? I mean, it's it's become a very confusing environment for adhesives. So the one thing that I tell clinicians is that all adhesives have limitations. Uh, and so we're asking our adhesives to do a lot these days, more than we ever have before. We don't just use adhesives for an anterior direct restoration. In this area, in the anterior direct, you have you can use a total etch two bottle system, which I kind of refer to as a chemistry set in a bottle because there are so many steps to use. It works really well and it's been considered the gold standard, but the moisture in an anterior can be controlled. The light can be directed and controlled in most situations. And you have t the time it takes to use a three-part adhesive system. Whereas in the posterior, you may not have that time to control the moisture and the light may be difficult to direct. So fighting a three-part adhesive system in the posterior can be difficult and make for a really stressful day. Mm -hmm. Not to mention, we're also using our adhesives for indirect restorative bonding as well. So I find that the biggest pain point for, for clinicians regarding adhesives is that they're struggling with the adhesives that they've always used because they're using it for so much more than ever before. Mm -hmm. So clinicians are using really good adhesives in the wrong clinical situations. The solution, I believe, for clinicians is to understand all of the classes or the generations of adhesives and have more than one category of adhesive on hand for differing clinical situations. Um, you know, I find myself using in my office a sixth, seventh, and eighth generation adhesive depending on the clinical situation. Yeah, it sounds like uh, the, it could be an extremely confusing situation for especially new dentists that are coming in to figure out what they feel most comfortable to use based on the clinical situation. Um, that's great information. Uh, what, so what, what are the three things clinicians should understand when developing a chair-side adhesion protocol? Three, three major things. Yeah, I think that that's a really important – I think – the clinicians, as I mentioned previously, every adhesive has limitations. And the first thing I tell clinicians is to understand whatever adhesive you're using, understand your limit, their limitations. For instance, if I can just uh, go through a couple of, of, of limitations for your listeners, you know, in the fourth generation, we have a limitation. So this is the, the three-part system where you're total etch, uh, post-op sensitivity. You have excessive film thickness. So the solution to that is, well, don't desiccate the, the dentin and uh, blow off your adhesive really, really well. In the fifth generation, you have 
bond and compatibilities with dual cure and self-cured uh, resin cements uh, and because it's a one-bottle system and you have post-op sensitivity as well. Uh, again, there are different solutions for this. In the sixth generation, you have the reduced enamel etch and the reduced enamel adhesion. And you have that also in the seventh generation. So again, knowing your limitations is a very important first step in understanding and developing a chair-side adhesion protocol. Mm-hmm. Number two is use the adhesive in the correct clinical situation. So if you know your limitations of your adhesive, you can then start to develop a, a way to use it, your adhesive clinically correctly. For example, if you're putting in a post in a bicuspid and you're using a seventh generation self-etch one bottle system for bonding a crown with a dual cure resin cement, you need to understand that the limitation of these one bottle systems with a dual cure cement may inhibit these materials to cure, mm-hmm. right? So, mm-hmm. so it becomes, becomes a problem. You're almost fighting yourself with a successful outcome when you're using a system. So the solution for that would be, if you know the limitation, is to use a dual cure additive for that seventh generation. Um, and you, most clinicians don't understand you need to, to purchase these additives separately. Um, and not all seventh generation adhesives tell you this uh, for the particular clinical scenario. So, so for a post and core, just for instance, you mentioned that a, a prefabricated, sure. a prefabricated post and core, and you're bonding, you're you're cementing uh, a crown. Um, what what would give me an example of what you would do adhesive wise? So, for instance, if I'm using a seventh generation, uh, that's a self-etch one bottle system, and I'm putting in a a, a, a post, for example, if I'm if I'm putting in a, a prefabricated post, um, and I'm using a seventh generation one bottle system, self etch, and I'm using a dual cure resin cement to put that post in. So I would put the I would when I'm using my adhesive, I would put in a dual cure activator. So say I'm using Prime and Bond Elect, which is a seventh generation adhesive. Well, I would put in their dual cure activator to make that dual cure resin cement uh, work. Because what happens is you, when you cure that, uh, that uh, seventh generation adhesive without the dual cure resin cement additive, you get an uncured resin monomer on the top. So it, it inhibits these dual cure resin cement. So you need to, to use the dual cure additive to your seventh generation adhesive systems. Okay, excellent, excellent information. Um, so let me ask you this. If, if you had to draw a picture with your description, what would your indirect adhesion decision tree look like? Well, first of all, I'd say I understand that one size doesn't fit all. Likewise, one bonding agent doesn't fit every clinical situation. So there's more than one category. And I, I like to think of, of my decision trees. Everybody should walk into their offices and, and, and see a forest of trees because we all have these decision trees that we make, whether we're doing a denture or whether we're doing uh, bonding or whether we're doing uh, a restorative procedure of some sort. We all make decisions every day. The, 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 I think the 
the confusion comes in in adhesion is that uh, there are so many different parts to the adhesive process. So I like to think of the trunk as being as as, as seeing one big label of adhesive, okay, on the trunk, and then that trunk is going to bifurcate into two bigger trunks, and it's going to be a direct and an indirect trunk. And off of those trunks, you're going to have different big branches. And these branches are going to be an anterior, posterior. These are going to be the things that we really have to make a decision about. Where are you? Are you in the anterior or the posterior? Do you have light accessibility? Uh, is it subgen Is your margin subgingival? Do you have a lot of moisture? Do you have any bleeding? Again, these are all these branches that are coming off the direct and indirect trunks. Mm -hmm. uh, what kind of time do you have? Do you, do you have enough time where saliva is not going to come in and, and ingress into your restoration? How about your, are you, what are you using? Are you using a composite, a flowable, a dual cure resin cement, a self cure resin cement? What are you using? So you have all of these different branches that are coming off. And if you're talking about a direct anterior restoration, well, then that decision is going to be pretty easy because you have a lot of time, right? right. You want to size up the clinical situation to the adhesive that you're using. Whereas if I'm using a in an indirect situation and I have a subgingival margin and I have a little bit of bleeding and moisture in the uh, in the curricular fluid in the in the sulcus and I don't have a lot of time, well, I might think about using not using an adhesive and using a self-adhesive resin cement, mm -hmm. right? right? I don't need to use an adhesive with a self-adhesive resin cement. So I can bypass that whole thing and I can use uh, a, 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 a Traxodan or some kind of, of tissue uh, conditioner where I can control the bleeding and the moisture or I can use an ultradent viscostat clear. And again, I wanna stay away from a ferric sulfate. I wanna stay more in the, in the realm of a, uh, you know, and so all of these are decisions that I would want to make, and we don't. We could spend a whole, you know, day on talking about <laughs> what, what decisions we have to make because there are so many different things. But I, I want the clinician to start thinking in terms of, okay, where am I clinically in the mouth? Uh, what am I going to be doing? What's the situation? Do I have a lot of blood to deal with? Well, if I do, how am I going to deal with that? Do I have time? that it takes before saliva starts ingressing? Uh, am I light accessible? Because we're dealing with be, being able to deal with light. Well, if I don't have a lot of light accessibility, maybe I want to start thinking about an eighth generation um, uh, adhesive where I don't, where it's dark cure and I don't need a lot of light um, dependability. So all of these different variables go, and if anybody wants to, uh, email me. They can email me and get a, a better idea of what the decision tree looks like because it's pretty, it gets pretty, you know, uh, complicated. And again, it depends on the clinician and, and how they operate and, and what they do uh, in a clinical situation. So there are different variabilities that go into this, but I think the clinician, if they have a good understanding of the different uh, adhesives that are out there and the limitations of the adhesives, again, it goes back to well, what can I use in that indirect and direct situation? Yeah, that's, no, that's great information. So when you prepare for a case and you know you're doing a specific adhesive procedure, is this written in the chart where your, your staff is set up to bring the materials that you need to accomplish those clinical uh, goals in advance? Or is this something you look at the 
patient, you know you need to cement this crown in, possibly do a prefabricated post, and then you decide what kind of adhesive materials you need at that time. Great question. Okay, so what I do in my office is that my, my team is very well trained. My assistants know basically the decision tree that I'm going to go through. So we have um, pretty great training in, in, in knowledge. Um, so they, they can help me. Now they need, they, they can't be self-directed for a lot of this. So I will help them and say, you know, we're going to be putting in the post. We're going to be using, um, you know, we're going to be using Prime and Bond Elect with a dual cure activator. And so I'll, I can kind of direct them, but the, the, the bins that we have for the setups, they all have everything in them. So all they have to do is, 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 um, you know, I just, I can direct and tell them what I need for the different situations. Yeah, excellent. Does excellent. that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. It sounds like an efficient method. So uh, in our last, this has been great, uh, Dr. Simos. In our last question, what are the two cements you would recommend, two or three, uh, having in your indirect armamentarium protocol? So zirconia and lithium silica have replaced PFM crowns. I think we can all agree that generally that's that's a true statement. Um, the clinician has to understand that whether or not they're milling the crown in the office or having a lab do it, uh, you have to have a tried and true technique for placing these restorations. So when I lecture, I ask clinicians, what are they using f for their zirconium, lithium, desilicate crowns to place them with? Uh, and what they usually say is that they're using a resin-modified glass ionomer or glass ionomer cement. And because that's what they've always used and that's what they've always done. And then, and, and we seem to have gone, and, and that's the easiest thing to use, right? I mean, you just push it, you push the, the glass ionomer cement in and put the crown on and you're done. But it's not that easy. What they don't understand is the number one reason these cements fail is because of solubility. So you might say, well, so what? I've got this great fitting crown. It fits perfectly. But what they don't understand is they just haven't gotten into the detail. The reason this is a big issue is that PFM and gold crowns had a marginal micrograph of about 20 to 30 microns. That's great. You get a marginal seal that resists microbial leakage. So using a, heck, using a zinc phosphate and a glass ionomer cements were acceptable. But let's talk about today's zirconium and lithium desilicate. The marginal microgap has gotten better over the, the last few years and is dependent on the mill that's using them, that's, that we're, we're using to fabricate these. But there's a microgap of between 60 and 80 microns. That's kind of huge. And this is about as big as a, as, as, or as thick as a Ziploc bag. So it's way too big for traditional cements to resist microbial leakage. So the clinician has to consider bonding these restorations with resin cements in order to resist microbial leakage. That's why I'm a big fan of these self-adhesive resin cements, the dual-cured self-adhesive resin cements, or the dual-cured resin cements. Again, the way we use these clinically is important, and it's they're technique sensitive, but they're very easy to use once you get the, the, the protocol down. Mm-hmm. Excellent, excellent. Um, are there any specific brands or that you prefer, or, or yeah. is it really up to the doctor to do their research on this? And so there, there are there are, every every manufacturer has a um, or a, many manufacturers have self adhesive resin cements and dual cured resin cements. Uh, I love right now. I, I'm really liking the um, Dense Ply 
Calibra Universal, which is a dual cure self-adhesive resin cement. And I really like the Calibra Ceram, which is a dual cured resin cement. The reason I like these is because one, they work beautifully, but two, they're easy named. I mean, they're, they're exactly what you need. Many manufacturers confuse the clinician by calling it some weird name. <laughs> Look, Calibra Ceram, Calibra Universal, it's easy. I can use it on pretty much 90% of my posterior restorations. Uh, Calibra Ceram, well, yeah, I can use it on ceramics. It's dual cure resin cement. Now I have to use my adhesive on the two side and I have to prime and all of this thing. But you have to absolutely um, look for, you know, your favorite brands. Those are the brands that I use, um, not exclusively, but I, I, I use them a lot. Excellent, excellent. Well, that's been phenomenal, Dr. Simos. The information you gave us uh, is quite valuable, and I'm sure our listeners appreciate it. Thank you very much. We hope to have you on future podcasts for sure. And uh, Thank you. I think, I think we've just touched the tip of the iceberg here with all of this. So if anyone has any questions, my email, cmesmile50 at gmail.com. Great. Thanks again, Dr. Simos, and have a great day. All right. Thanks a lot, Phil.